Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. All right, good to be here as always, and uh, you're going to have me for a few weeks in a row. I'm going to be right. preaching every Sunday except for one Sunday while I'm in Mexico for the series on relationship, changing things up. And uh, the series is intended to address um, uh, not like marriage and dating and friendship separately, but issues that affect all relationships. So we're going to uh, come, uh, come at it from a little bit different uh, approach. And the idea is getting past playing pretend. And uh, we want to learn ways to make our relationships become more real or deeper. <clears throat> and I actually like the graphic. What do you guys think? Huh? Is that pretty cool? That's pretty cool. Tori did that. So <clears throat> we're going to look at five different uh, topics that affect all relationships and kind of dig into how those uh, topics or those uh, facets of, community, of relationships can be, uh, can be better and be more Christ-like. In the di five different areas, today we're going to be talking about communication. I'm actually going to talk about sexuality and how it affects all relationships. Um, moving past pretense, that's the uh, message that Jimmy's going to preach while I'm in Mexico. And then money, finances actually has an effect on all relationships. And uh, we need to acknowledge that and learn how to uh, uh, use money to love people and not the other way around. <clears throat> and then honor, which is probably the most general and easy to understand that we are to uh, demonstrate honor in all of our relationships. So learning the, uh, how to be Christ-like in each of these areas in all of our relationships is the general idea of the series. And we're going to kick it off just um, uh, introducing the concept here from John chapter 13, the Gospel of John. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples. And he says this, says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So Jesus lays it down, uh, a very clear command that we are to love. But he kind of adds a few things to it and I'm going to read from a commentary. Clark commentary is written a few hundred years ago. I, I like uh, his approach. I like the way he words things. And he kind of unpacks this and looks a little deeper. What did Jesus mean when he gave us this command? So Clark writes, A new co commandment I give unto you. Well, what, in what sense are we to understand this as a new commandment? Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself was a precept in the law. And that was a command in the Old Testament. That wasn't new. You can read it in Leviticus chapter 19. And it is the very same that Christ repeats, here, repeats it here. So how then was it new? Well, our Lord answers this question. Even as I have loved you. So he modifies the old command with that statement. As I have loved you. Now Christ more than fulfills the Mosaic precept. He not only loved his neighbor as himself, but he loved him, or his neighbor, more than himself. For he laid down his life for him. That changes everything, doesn't it? In this, he calls upon the disciples to imitate him. 
And he calls upon you and I to imitate him. To be ready on all occasions to lay down their lives for each other. So we're talking about love here. This command is about love. Relationships are about love. All right. There's many different kinds of love. How many like romantic love? Huh? Come on. Everybody likes romantic love when it's going good. <laughs> How about friendship love, filial love? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So powerful. Filial love. It's great. How about, uh, I forget the word. There's another word. Uh, hang on. It's, uh, I can't remember the Greek word, but it's love of, 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 uh, between a parent and a child, right? Storge, thank you. <coughs> Storge love. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's another love, agape love, the love of God, but this is this kind of a general pure term of love. And so there's many types of love, and Jesus says we are to love as he loved in all of those forms of love. And, and, and that means laying down our lives as Christ laid down his life. John writing a letter many years later than when he penned the gospel, he was actually writing it to a church, <coughs> unpacking or explaining this principle of being a Christian as, as living a life of love. So here's John, the same person who wrote that earlier, the Gospel of John, is now writing a letter to explain it more in depth. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. Wow. Pretty, pretty, pretty straightforward there, isn't it? For God is love. In this we love God. Uh, in this the love of God was manifest toward us. That God sent his only begotten son into the world. That we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God. But that he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation is a big word for payment. Okay? Uh, the settled price. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Same st statement. Christ said, love as I love. John is repeating this. We need to love in the same way God loved. And the way God loved was gave his most precious possession, his son, his own life, in order to demonstrate that love. God initiated love. All right? It's not that we love God, but that God loved us. And so a big part of loving Christ-like is initiating love. And even if you're uh, an introvert, you need to initiate love. Or if you're a choleric and just want to get the job done, you need to initiate love. All right? In every type of personality, we need to be initiators. Why? Because that's how Christ was. And that's how God is. He initiates love. And God paid the price for love. And love costs. There is a price for love. All right? And that's what the word propitiation means. We need to be willing, like Christ, like God, sometimes to pay the price, whatever the price may be, to demonstrate love. 
But how do you do this? How do you love in this way? How do you love one another? How do you love our neighbors? The Bible says to love our enemies in this way. How do we actually do it? Now, very few of us, most likely none of us, will ever have to die for someone as an expression of our love. Right? So I don't think it means dying for someone. But I do think it means dying to yourself for someone. Which is something we're all called to do. Jesus said that loving like he loved defined what it meant to be a Christian. See, being a Christian is not just adhering to a set of rules. Did you know that? It's important to adhere to godliness. But that doesn't make you a Christian. Being a Christian doesn't mean that you just believe everything that we said in the Nicene Creed. Now, you need to believe everything we said in the Nicene Creed. All right? It's very important. But Jesus said being a Christian means that you love one another. And it's how the world knows that we're a Christian. It is the way. And that if we're not living in love and loving on others, one another, neighbors, and enemies, then we're not even demonstrating being his disciple. And we might not even be his disciple. So this is really high-stakes stuff here. So how will this work if we don't even know what it means to love like he loves? This series, I hope, will get down to some real practical ways where we can um, implement loving like Christ loved in these five different areas of relationships. Today we're going to be talking about communication. Every relationship is built on communication. You can know about someone without ever communicating to them. I know a whole bunch of stuff about this speaker named Ravi Zacharias. How many have heard Ravi Zacharias? I've been listening to this guy for over 20 years, probably 25, basically 30 years. Actually, the first time I... Yeah, yeah, he's early 80s. Yeah. How long is that? 35 years. I used to listen to him so much, I was speaking with an Indian accent. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> because <laughs> he's Indian guy. Um, but I've never met him. I don't know him. He doesn't know me. Uh, uh, you cannot know someone or have a relationship with someone unless you have communication. You can know about them, but to know them, you have to communicate in some way. And it includes verbal communication, nonverbal communication, interaction of every kind. And today, boy, do we have ways to communicate. My goodness, we had texting, had email. Now people don't even use email. That's like old school, right? <clears throat> I'm like, well, wait till you get a job. <laughs> you know, all the different ways to, to communicate. We're overwhelmed with different various ways to communicate. And that actually makes it harder, not easier to communicate well. All right, and to figure out how to communicate using all of those mediums in a way that is Christ-like. And if I could just take a minute to, to, to put a little personal plug in, you know. Texting is great for stuff like, you know, O-T-W-H, on the way home, right? Or, or get milk, right? <laughs> texting is really not good for those three and four paragraph long explanations why you did or didn't do something or you said something or so and so. Are you hearing me? 
Amen. It, it just, I've, I've actually seen relationships broken just because a text was misunderstood. Text, sh- there should be a law, like there used to be with Twitter, that there are only 140 characters. Text should only be allowed to be like 20 characters. <laughs> Trust me here, guys. Like, we need to talk. That's good. But don't then don't tell them what you need. <laughs> How about tomorrow or Tuesday? Yeah, that's good. All right. Same thing with email. There's certain things. How many have written an email? I do this probably once a day. I'll write an email and go, this is not something for email. And this means delete. Delete. I go, that's not something that I should say in email. Because it could be misunderstood. And it just makes it all worse. You know, so there's certainly learning how to use all the different mediums that we have to communicate is part of life. You can't get away from it. Uh, and, uh, um, and understanding what's appropriate, and then learning how to use those ways in a Christ-like way. So this is something that's not necessarily from Scripture, but it is something that uh, psychologists have discovered and, and uh, sociologists. It's just the truth of life. There's different levels of communication. <clears throat> so hallway talk is like small talk, uh, passing somebody in the hallway, hey, how's it going? <clears throat> Great, you know. You know, when somebody's like, how you doing? You know that they're not really asking you, how are you doing? They're just saying, how you doing? <laughs> you know the difference. And so, um, or, boy, this was sure is hot out today. And I used to be a person who didn't like small talk. And I was kind of proud that I didn't like small talk. Until I found out that small talk is really important. Because small talk is where people test to see whether or not you're safe. Amen. All right? And so if someone says, you know, boy, it sure is hot out. Sure is hot. I can't stand it. I hate this humidity. Dang. You know, you know, whoa, right? Yeah. You're not going to start talking about personal stuff because you can tell, you know, you, you can test how they respond. Hey, how's your day going? I wish I was dead. Well, what do you do with that? I can take care of that for you if you want. (laughs) That's what I'd say. (laughs) No, you know, small talk is where you test and see if people are safe. And and so you go, I'm doing great, you know. It's a little little warm out. Yeah. But, you know, that's what summer's for. Yeah, that's great, you know. And then you go up to reporter talk. Reporter talks are facts, information. Oh, yeah, it seems hotter this summer, huh? you know. Now maybe that global warming thing is all of a sudden. Nah, that's just made up by the media. Oh, really? You think so? You know, you're just talking information. But then it goes up to uh, intellectual talk, and those are ideas. And you get a little more vulnerable here. Well, I actually think that global warming thing is a bunch of hoax bogus, you know. Or I actually think the global warming is like, you really? <laughs> Looks pretty real to me. <laughs> you know, let's talk about that. <clears throat> Uh, and so you exchange of information or, you know, what do you think? I heard this happen. You know, what do you think about that? Well, I think this. Well, information and ideas uh, are on a, on a deeper level, but still aren't to the next level, which is emotional. Well, I feel that changes everything. And if you want to move a relationship to a deeper level, use the magic word feel. I feel 
that, you know, I feel afraid. You know, I feel, uh, I feel uh, really concerned about the politics right now. Boy, I'm afraid we might be end up going to war over this. Oh, really? Why, why are you afraid? I don't want my kids to go to war. You know, all right, I, man, I'm, I'm really, I really feel overwhelmed at all the tragedy that's happened. We, we've been, and so it brings it to a different level. And sometimes people aren't ready to deal with feelings, and you'll see them back off. Well, I'll be praying for you, you know, and they run away. That's okay. We test it out. And then the goal, though, or the highest level of communication is a loving, genuine truth taught. Another term for this is peak communication. Peak communication. And that's in the situation, and this is where you want to aim for uh, uh, especially meaningful relationship, deep friendships, intimate uh, relationships like with your spouse, your kids, where there can be an equal exchange of information and emotions without any judgment or condemnation. In other words, people can feel safe sharing their feelings and their ideas, even if you disagree. It doesn't end an argument because it's peak communication. You trust one another. No matter what I say, I know they're, they're going to love me. Right? And I have some people that are like on the opposite end of political, religious uh, extremes from me. But we can talk about stuff, and at the end of the day, we're still going to be friends. Because we've been friends for 40 years. You know, it's not going to change. That's peak communication, and that's really what we're aiming for. In every one of these levels, we need to learn how to be Christ-like. And so we're going to talk about some principles of Christ-like communication, just p- picking a few scriptures. Boy, there's so many scriptures on communication in the Bible. Um, <clears throat> you'd almost think it was the Word of God. <laughs> that was a preacher joke. <laughs> so Ephesians 4, uh, verse 5, it says, Speaking the truth in love. Listen, truth is not more important than love. I wish Christians would learn that. Are you hearing me? <laughs> in other words, a lot of times, uh, some Christians and some media uh, representing Christians or various political viewpoints you know, just they're shouting truth to the point where they lose the love. Uh, truth must be wrapped in love, truth in love, in order for it to be true. And for it to be effective. I really believe that. It doesn't matter how accurate your facts are, if it's not communicated in love, then it's not going to be, uh, it's not going to produce uh, uh, the benefit of that truth. <clears throat> uh, Christ, Jesus, was the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. Um, and, uh, and came as the expression of God's love. So the truth, in, who is Jesus, came as the expression of God's love. And we know that very clearly from John 3.16, probably the most famous Bible verse. God so loved the world that He sent, his, he sent truth. He sent His Son. For God did not send His Son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. So our communication, if it's going to be Christ-like, can never be condemning. And if it comes across as condemnation, then somehow we missed it. We may have had some truth, but it wasn't wrapped in love. It doesn't mean that we don't confront error. Jesus was very clear in confronting a lot of errors. But he did it all wrapped in love. And so Christ-like 
uh, truth always comes across, communicates itself in a way that can be received as love. A little bit further down in the uh, book of Ephesians is this powerful verse on communication. It says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I'm just going to pause here. To me, it's absolutely astounding that our words have the ability to affect the emotion of God. Where it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Grieve means breaking the heart. Don't break Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is God just as much as Jesus and the Father. And it says here that the way we use our words have the potential to break God's heart. That's just crazy. You can break God's heart simply by letting a corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But you know what? Equally crazy, you can bless God's heart. All right? By letting good words come out of your mouth. Uh, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Rather be kind to one another, tender hearted, uh, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So, this verse, which follows that verse about speaking truth and love, teaches us some very practical, specific things that we're not to do. Uh, we're not to, to speak uh, in ways that, are, that communicates bitterness or wrath or clamor, uh, all of that stuff. I like how it's put in the message, which is a more contemporary uh, translation, actually a paraphrase, uh, but it's, it's, it's worded really well. It says, watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps, each word a gift. Don't grieve God. Don't break His heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you um, is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for Him. Don't take such a gift for granted. In other words, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, don't take it for granted by misusing the way you communicate. Uh, make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, and profane talk, that cutting, cutting remarks is, uh, is, a, is one of the best ways to interpret that word. And we all know that a cutting remark can actually, you know, you can be in a room and say something cutting to uh, your spouse and everybody else in the room doesn't know it, but they know it. Do you know what I mean? Yes, no, maybe so. You know, when you, the closer you are with someone, you can say something and, you know, it's a little jab. And that's what the scripture is actually talking about. Don't, don't, don't jab, make jabs with your words. Just don't do it. You know? Uh, no backbiting, heaping back. No profane talk. But rather be gentle with one another. Sensitive. Sensitive to how your words affect others. Forgive one another quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. We're not to allow communication that is corrupt, cutting, biting, hurtful, demeaning, foul, dirty, unsavory, obscene. All of this stuff is stuff that we need to put off. 
because it doesn't reflect the Christ-like character of love that we're called to live. And we're to replace it with something that's good or beneficial. In the, in the New King James, it says, good for necessary edification. Edification means building up, uh, encouraging, helping them. But I think the key word is necessary. Because guess what? Sometimes it's just not necessary. All right? Something may be good, but it's not necessary. You know? Have you ever been with somebody and they just, they, they just insist on telling you what you need to know, even though you don't need to know it right then? Have you ever been that person? <laughs> you know, and being sensitive to know, you know what? I know that they're wrong. And I could tell them that they're wrong or what they're doing is not going to be helpful. But if I do that now, that's just going to make them get upset. That's going to make them feel like I'm against them and not for them. I think I'm just going to let it wait. I'm going to, I'm going to be sensitive to where they're at and wait for the right opportunity to bring up something. And sometimes that may be days, weeks, months, or years. And pray into it and bless them. <clears throat> so the, the clear goal is that it imparts grace. Think about this. The Bible says that our words, first of all, grace is pretty important, isn't it? How are you saved from hell? Huh? Dan hit it. Everybody say it out loud together. Grace. Grace is pretty stinking important, right? And this, word, this Bible passage says that our words have the ability to take grace and <laughs> shove them right into a person. We can take grace. <laughs> right? Or we can take the same tool or words and stab them. And it's our choice. But the fact that we have the power to impart grace simply by our words is just, just mind-boggling. Let's, let's value, let's honor this amazing thing called communication. And it's not just the way we speak, but it's the way we communicate. It's what we post on whatever social media happens to be the one that's in front of you at the moment. All right? It's even the tone as well as the non, every other form of nonverbal. And I love the message. It says each word a gift. Every word should be a gift to the hearers. That's the goal. That's Christ-like communication. That in all my communication, it would be a gift. Uh, if the result is not grace, not packaged and received like a gift, then we haven't communicated in a Christ-like way. Now sometimes the gift may be saying something like, I'm feeling really angry right now. Right? That's not violating the command. That's actually keeping the command. The Bible actually says in this book, Ephesians, be angry. Hey guys, did you know it was the command of the Bible to be angry? <laughs> but don't sin. Be angry. You know why it says that? Because we're all angry a lot anyway. The people who don't think they're angry, they just don't think they're angry. 
<laughs> They're disconnected from their emotions. <laughs> All right? Be angry. It's okay to be angry, but don't sin. What does that mean? That means you need to learn how to respond to anger in an appropriate way. And the best way to respond to anger is to communicate it in an appropriate way, to verbalize it in an appropriate way. So not yelling, not throwing things, not injuring people, but also not deep-sixing it, not internalizing it. Uh, that's destructive to you and to others. But to be able to say, excuse me, can we talk? What you just said really made me uncomfortable. That is Christ-like love. And I've been in the receiving end of that plenty of times. And I so appreciate it when it's done that way and not done in a way that I hear about it several months later because they talked to someone else that talked to someone else and pretty soon I'm the evil person in the world, right? Uh, and so communicating or saying something like I'm really hurt or I feel lost. So communicating your feelings, even if they're negative feelings, can be done out of love. And in fact, it's, uh, it is love when you open up yourself and you begin to share yourself. That's moving up into that emotional level of communication. And it actually deepens your relationship. And then if you're on the receiving end of that, say, what did I do to make you feel that way? I'm so sorry. Now, who do you think you are? How could you be? That's not what I meant. You know? Really? You go, really? You felt, Wow. And then you go, I, I, I miss, I miss, somehow I missed that. I'm so sorry. You know, and that just, that, 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 that actually is the most effective way for relationships to get deeper and to be more Christ-like. But if you explode in rage or you mumble complaints or you hold a grudge, all of that doesn't impart grace. <clears throat> Final verse we're going to read, 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, uh, Peter talking about Jesus in this verse I love because it actually talks about how Jesus communicated in one of the most uh, difficult times of his life. It says, for this you were called. In other words, hey, Christian, are you all Christian here? Everybody here that's Christian is talking to you. You're called to this because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed. Listen, this is not a talk on self-help. I'm not just giving you keys on how to behave so you can be successful in life. I'm trying to communicate to you the transformation that's available through Jesus Christ because he took his, our sins upon his body and died on the cross. And if you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross as payment for your sin, and you believe that because Christ himself is uh, God the Son and sinless, he rose from the dead, and you confess him as Lord, and you say, Jesus, I believe you are my Lord, then you are saved. And you come into a relationship where you can receive his Holy Spirit, and that power can change the way you communicate.
All right? It's because we are following Christ that enables us to respond differently, to respond Christ-like. And if, you're, if you haven't, I encourage you not to leave this place today without making that commitment that Jesus Christ is your Lord because He is who He claimed to be and that you're going to follow Him even though it may mean suffering. And you're going to learn to love like He loved because it's worth it. All right? <clears throat> and in this we see that when He was reviled, He didn't revile in return. He didn't curse back. There was no deceit. He didn't threaten. Instead, Jesus committed to Him uh, who judge committed himself to him who judges righteously. What that means is Jesus endured the suffering of being falsely accused to the point of being crucified without saying anything in return because he was trusting the Father to stand up for him. And so guess what? When you're misrepresented, when someone says something that's not true about you, what should you do? Be like Jesus. I'm going to trust God. He's going to work this out. And so I'm going to respond with gentleness and kindness and not demand my rights. All right? That's loving Christ-like. It doesn't mean people walk over you. It means that you can stand confident knowing that God's going to defend you. And you can demonstrate the powerful love of Christ, which will, in the end, win the argument. If Jesus didn't defend himself, how much more should we not try to defend ourselves? Communicating Christ-like means that we, meet, we put the needs and the good of others above ourselves or making ourselves look good, even to the point of dying to ourselves. Okay, So how do we die to ourselves in, in how we communicate or, how, or what we post on Facebook? You know, Sometimes you need to stop and read it. And say, would Jesus say that? Would Jesus post that picture? Or am I just being a little too sarcastic here? Is this really going to change someone's opinion? Or is this just going to get the uh, attaboy from the people on my side of the aisle? Are you hearing me? And so we need to look and understand that we're not just communicating to the people but we're also our communication has an effect on god and he wants us to represent him because the world desperately needs uh this, us to represent it needs a faithful representation of the love of christ so relationship is love and we need to love like christ it requires communication if you want to change a relationship that you have in your life Change the way you communicate. I guarantee it. If you change the, the t how you communicate with a person, it will change the relationship. Because relationships are built through communication. And so if there's a tense, tenseness in your relationship with someone, change the wording. Switch the wording. I've actually been counseling a point. I would say, you know what? You need to stop using that word. What do you mean? I mean, you use that word too much. What? Just give it a try for a few months, <laughs> you know? Some people get stuck on different ideas or calling people a certain name. And you need to stop doing that sometimes or, 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 or talk positively. And you know what? You need to do this to yourself. Yeah. You want a better relationship with yourself? Rather than talking to yourself about how bad you are, 
talk to yourself about how good you are. There's a preacher, I, I like him, he said this last year, and he said it again this year when I listened to him. He said, you need to, <coughs> you need to stop listening to yourself and start talking to yourself. I thought, that's good. <laughs> you know? So, because we just go on the autoplay. You're a loser, you're a failure, you're so stupid, you're so ugly, you're so, how could you make that mistake? It's the 15th time you've done it, you idiot. You know, I know none of you guys do that. <coughs> But if you start going, you know, you are amazing, you know, you're just you're incredible, man. You blow me away. I know I do. I re- See, you can ask my kids, because I practice this at home, don't I? <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's that? All the time. I'm like, I, sometimes I just blow myself away. Jeez. When I got, oh, I got to, I got yeah, I'm sorry. I thought I had more time. I just ate it all up. Hey, sometimes I go into a, a, a checkout register, you know, and they'll say, how you doing? Uh, how are you? I'm like, I'm amazing. <laughs> Give it a try. You got to say it the right way. I'm amazing. Look at, they'll go, well, Mr. Amazing. <laughs> it changes them, you know. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic, man. Now, it doesn't mean I ain't got problems. I got problems... I got tons of problems, as many problems you have more. Okay? But I talk to myself, I'm amazing. It's amazing. And so <laughs> talk to yourself that way, talk to others. I t- talk in a way that lifts people up, uh, in, uh, improves the relationship, replace hurtful words with helpful words, actions, touch and tone. And like Christ, die to yourself. Maybe that means being vulnerable or allowing other people to be vulnerable. The Bible says, life and death is in the power of the tongue. Let's use that power to to produce life. Would you join with me in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you that you've given us the ability to communicate. And we live in a day that we can communicate to people all over the world free. Uh And Lord, we pray that you would help us, guide us, lead us to be Christ-like in all of our communications so that we can uh, not grieve you, but make you happy and build others up as well as ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.